Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The most exciting day of the year has arrived. It is Six Nations Eve. England are coming to Murrayfield tomorrow. The Calcutta Cup is on the line. And it is Matt, David and Alan on the breakfast show this morning, looking back, looking at the Scotland squad and ahead to tomorrow's big game at uh, Murrayfield. Matt, how are you feeling about it, big guy? Yeah, excited. bit too early uh, to be recording, I think. But uh, yeah, I've been, this week's been, I feel like the build-up has been so big. Like everyone is so excited about it that I've pretty much done zero work. I haven't been able to concentrate <laughs> on anything but sort of like the the anticipation. It is it is both early and it has been a mega week. I, I feel you on that lack of um concentration all week. I have been concentrating quite a lot on memes and creation of um sort of like joke Scottish rugby content, but that's 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 a job in itself. Alan, how are you feeling about it? It's uh bigger than Christmas Eve for you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm I am as excited about the memes though as the game. Yeah. I think they're basically about equal. Um, I think our meme game is is going from strength to strength, and uh, you know you've you've already given a couple of previews of what's going to drop over over the the weekend, and I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it, the content calendar is full. Um, so if you guys want to follow that, that is on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram, where we found out about this new thing called Reels. So check that out on thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Um, and then it will be coming out on Monday morning. Get yourself onto the newsletter. That's a Substack Thistle um, Scottish Rugby podcast over there. Um, and that'll be a win, lose or draw. Look back at the weekend's rugby um, with all of that sort of content curated into one place. Um, before we get going on having a look at the only game in time, which is Scotland versus England and the team that Gregor Townsend named yesterday afternoon, it's a quick word from a new partnership that we've done um, with the great guys over at Fanbase. And if you haven't heard of them, I don't really know where you've been. These guys um, are changing the sports landscape with their technology um, and they're from um, Scotland. Um, for clubs looking to go digital, Fanbase is the partner they've been looking for. In a matter of hours, you can launch a mobile app for your supporters that contains news, videos, and articles, sell events, lunches, and tickets for your matches all in one place. They've already made huge inroads in football, and now they're looking to do the same in rugby. So if you're looking after a a rugby club at the moment, you want to increase your revenue, you want to create a digital app for your fans, get yourself onto fanbaseclub.com to get a demo set up for your club or find them on Twitter, fanbase__club. Um, and slide right on in there to their DMs. So thanks very much to Fanbase uh, doing some amazing work for um, Scottish club football and rugby. Um, guys, 
Let's just get dive straight into it. Gregor Townsend naming is 23 yesterday. Matt, was it a little bit underwhelming that there wasn't like any rash names in there? It was kind of this very settled, very um, predictable Scottish 15. Yeah, I think it was surprising that there weren't any of those left field selections, but I also think it was quite reassuring um, and that, you know, maybe aside from a, a couple of selections, I think particularly in the pack, it's pretty much as you'd expect and as you'd want. Um, and there's just a settled look to the whole team. And I think that the, the bench is something that stands out as one of the strongest that we've had in, in mm. quite a long time. So despite there not being those kind of exciting left field selections, um, I think you, you've got to be pretty happy with the, with the 23 we've got. I think you absolutely do, and I'll come to you in a second, Alan. But in case you hadn't, you haven't seen it yet, and you're really you're waiting for us, like waiting for match of the day to find out the squad announcement. Um, it's Rory Sutherland, George Turner, and Xander Ferguson up front. Um, in the second row, Johnny Gray and Grant Gilchrist. In the back row, Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, and Matt Ferguson. Ali Price and Finn Russell at nine and ten. Sam Johnson and Chris Harris in the centres, and Duhan Darcy and Stuart Hogg um, at fifteen. I mean. Starting in that, that front row, Alan, and we can probably move on from this bit quite quickly because we're not very good at talking about props. That's a very strong front row. Were you surprised? I suppose there was a couple of question marks at whether um, Pierre Schumann might start, but um, Tuning's obviously gone for the, the sort of the Lions experience of, of Sutherland ahead of, the, ahead of him. Yeah, I think just start of the season with Edinburgh, I think Schumann's had pretty good run of games and has been in pretty good form to to kick off the season. So I think at a minimum, he's been putting quite a lot of pressure on Rory Sutherland. But I think, again, Sutherland's just been so consistent over the last two years. And I also think Schumann potentially has a little bit more impact off the bench. But ultimately, two, two pretty great loose head options to have. Well, yeah, I mean, our starting props both toured with the Lions um, this this weekend, uh, this weekend, uh, this <laughs> last summer. So um, it's pretty strong. And then if you look onto that bench, sticking with the front row, you know, Pierre Schumann, WP now, scrummaging specialist, and then Rambo sort of, you know, 60, 70 cap Scotland hooker. You know, that's a really, really strong set that you can bring on at 60, 65 minutes. Um and Matt, I think in the in the WhatsApp group, you said that you know Scotland should be looking to go after England at scrum time. Yeah, I think if you look at that England front row, there's they're they're all really great um, players in the loose, but I think there are question marks over Genge and Sinclair at scrum time at that highest level, um, and I think that. Sutherland in particular is, I think, would say primarily a scrummaging prop. Um, and I think they should be targeting them at, at scrum time. And I think that, you know, Fagerson got a lot of change out of Genge in the Six Nations last year. So I, I feel pretty confident, actually, that we can, um, you know, at least have parity there, if not get get a bit of joy from from the referee, win a few penalties. Um and I even think that, that Karen Dickey is, once again, a great player in the loose, but his arrows um, can be a bit suspect at times. And I, I wonder if that's one of the 
one of the reasons that Grant Gilchrist has, has gone in there and you hope that once again they'll be targeting the set piece. Yeah, and you touched on it there. One of the um one of the slightly bigger um decisions possibly within the this 23, Grant Gilchrist preferred um over Scott Cummings, um, who has been I think Alan Scott Cummings has been a sort of like a Tooney ultra for the last couple of years. That sort of Cummings and Gray second row partnership has almost been sort of inked into every team sheet. Yeah, I need to check. I feel like since the Rugby World Cup, Cummings is probably in sort of the top top three in terms of appearances for for Scotland. And I think probably one of the reasons, you know, not only because of that, but that I thought Cummings might might get a star is I guess England have got a lot of quite strong ball carriers in in their pack you know even in that front row which has about genge um sinclair cowan dickey you got a toji you got ludlam and obviously simmons and i think one of the things that cummings probably gives you ahead of gilchrist and gray is he's a little bit more of a, an abrasive defender obviously gray and gilchrist are great in a stats department but can sometimes be just a little bit softer i think um but ultimately, I think probably what Hanny raised there is quite quite important. I think Gilchrist clearly seems to be sort of the strongest lineup operator in Scottish rugby. And I think both from a defensive standpoint, it's important. But I also, you know, like we said this last year, and obviously Turner had a great game against England in terms of his arrows, but ultimately his arrows can be quite inconsistent. And I wonder if having someone like Gilchrist there is... Um, it's just there to just add a little bit of support, especially if the weather's going to be completely dog shit. <laughs> Which currently is the forecast. It's looking like classic first weekend, Six Nations in Edinburgh. Um, moving moving into the back back row in, in, in that case, another sort of decision. Um, a lot of people speculating that um, Magnus Bradbury had done enough to sort of overhaul um, Matt Fagerson's um, dominance of that number eight jersey. Not the case. Fagerson retaining that position, but Bradbury coming on to the bench, joining, I think, people that are inked into the team sheet, Jamie Ritchie at six and Hamish Watson at seven. Um, Matt, talk to me about this back row and the matchups against England. Who do you think has got the potential to have the upper hand there? Yeah, well, I think on on Fagerson, maybe... Um, in in, a, in the recent months, he hasn't been on his his best form, but and, and probably overshadowed, definitely overshadowed this season by Jack Dempsey. But I was thinking about this the other day. I think if you if you look back to Six Nations last year, he had a, a really good showing, um, particularly in that England match. So I, I think it's a, a reasonable selection. Um, and I thought that given Bradbury played for the uh, against I played for Edinburgh last weekend, that he wouldn't be in the mix. But I'm pretty happy that he is actually, because um, as I say, I think you get quite a lot of punch from from um, him coming off the bench. In in terms of the matchups, like um, I think Watson needs to have a a big game. I think that Watson Curry matchup um, will almost. I don't know if it'll define the game, but I think who can get the most joy at the breakdown there. It, that could have quite a big role in the match, um, and it'd be interesting to see Richie against Ludlam because I think, as we talked about, like the weather's not looking great. I think it's going to be a dogfight, and I think those two are quite well suited to to scrapping. Um, and I think with, if it's a 
you know, a bit of a dogfight and England don't have that front foot ball, then Simmons, his attribute, his best attributes, which is his carrying, they sort of fall by the wayside slightly. Um, so I, I think that Scotland do, still do have the upper hand, but I think that Curry is obviously, you know, a renowned performer. And I think that Ludlam in particular is pretty well suited to, to the weekend. Was it ref wise? Is it Nick Berry? This I think it's I think it's Ben O'Keefe. It's Ben O'Keefe. Uh, which once again, like I think, I think it's quite good to have a. You never know, really, but a, a Southern Hemisphere referee who maybe is a bit more laissez faire at the at the breakdown. I think suits Scotland. I think that where we've beaten England in recent years, we've whether it was like Barclay back in twenty eighteen or. Watson last year uh, got a lot of joy in the breakdown, which made a big difference. Hundred percent. No, I guess it feels like Matt Ferguson is an it's sort of a weird sort of um, position where he's sort of been given quite a lot of chances for Scotland. He's never obviously had a complete shocker, but he's never just had a consistent enough run of games of of playing well. I think to your point, he's probably in that Glasgow back row being the weakest member um, this year so far, which. Is you know isn't the worst um, thing in the world given just how good Darge and Dempsey have been, but um, but yeah, it, again I know we sort of probably said it last year, but it really feels like this has to be the sort of year where Ferguson sort of steps up and starts to sort of make his mark on on games. So we, we've touched a little bit on the impact of the bench in the front row with McAnally, Showman, and and Nell, and obviously Bradbury's there to offers a little bit of help. The other the other forwards replacement there, Sam Skinner, um, now a sort of proven international uh, player, has in, in, been in decent form for Exeter. So, Matt, how, how do you think that, that Tooney might look to use that, use that bench, you know, in an ideal world of no injuries? Yeah, I think, as I sort of mentioned, like Bradbury coming on, adding that punch going forward, I think that Nell would and, and maybe Skinner to an extent, like could potentially come on just to shore things up a bit at, at the set piece. Um, and I think that you know Skewman and, and McAnally have shown their value in the loose um, and are pretty solid operators at, at, at set piece as well. So I think it's a nice blend of guys who can add like a real impact or maybe steady the ship if, if there are some problems at the scrum or line out. Uh, Alan, anyone in that? that sort of in the forwards mix that you think, you know, could or should have been involved um, on that bench that possibly could have added, added something different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting the fact that they went for the five, three in the end, rather than a, a sort of six, two split, which I, I, I don't, I guess I, I don't quite understand. I felt like everything was sort of aiming towards that sort of six, two split because a, I think with the weather, it's going to be a very sort of forwards-dominated um, affair. I think the form of Darge would have led me a little bit to just trying to find a way to get him into the the twenty-three. And I think once you shifted to that five-three split, him and Cummings struggle to get in just because they offer a little bit less versatility versus definitely a Skinner, but also Bradbury sort of shift around both the back row and being in the second row previously. 
Um, and as we'll get onto it in the on the backs, I think I had assumed with sort of bringing in Kinghorn and leaving Hastings out of the squad that they were going to go for the the scrum half plus plus Kinghorn in the in the back in the twenty three. So no, I mean a big guy did not see Darge in because I generally think Darge is um, it's just a world class operator and seems to be sort of improving with uh, with basically every match. So, but hopefully he'll get his chance sort of later on in the in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will, we're going to come on to talk about the backs in a second, but there's, um, there is URC business to be dealt with during the Six Nations, which wasn't the plan originally, but it does mean that you get absolutely class fixtures like Glasgow versus Munster. Is, uh, is it, is it Scotston next Friday night? It might be flying under the radar for you guys, but at the Friday night just before, um, Scotland, Wales, um, down in Cardiff. Munster are coming to Scotland. It's the first time that Munster have been there since 2018. Absolutely classic rivalry. Um, tons of scrapping um, over the years and some amazing fixtures um, during that time. Glasgow currently sitting second in the URC table. Um, so the lads will be going up against Munster next Friday night. Uh, your likes, while there is many people away with Scotland, your likes, your Jack Dempsey's, Josh Mackay, Ross Thompson, Cole Forbes, uh, George Horn. And some of the lads passed down from Scotland will be playing for, for Glasgow. So still going to be an absolutely mint team in a huge fixture in terms of the URC. Uh, tickets are still available down at Scotston, um, starting from £27, concessions from 24 I mean, what better way? Go and watch Glasgow on a Friday night against Munster. And then you've got um, Scotland versus Wales going two from two in the uh, Six Nations on the Saturday afterwards. So get yourself on the Glasgow Warriors website. Um, and get down there. Scotsman on a Friday night. Can't, can't really beat it. Um, right. So that's Glasgow. That's a bit of URC business done. Let's get back to um, Calcutta Cup. The backs, again, not huge number of talking points, but I think the media narrative, something that we as a podcast put a huge amount of value in, suggested that Cam Redpath was in with a good shout of starting at 12. I mean, Alan, Tooney's gone with Sam Johnson, tried and tested Johnson and Harris in the midfield. Were you, I don't know if it's like surprised, were you disappointed not to see Redpath? Do you understand the rationale? I think, sort of understand it. I imagine match fitness is, is a big component of it. You know, ultimately, Redpath has been out for like almost a year <laughs> and has only played a couple of games and, 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 you know, whilst obviously he's sort of performed well, you know, it's, it's, it's another step up to come in sort of the Calcutta cup match. And I'm, I wonder if he'd had maybe even just two more games at club level, whether, whether Tooney would have gone with him. Um, but at the same time, Sam Johnson has been playing relatively well for Glasgow and, has always performed relatively well against against an England team, so it's definitely not something sort of like up gutted about, right? Um, and yeah, it's, it's just pretty mad when you sort of look back. You've got Johnson, Redpath, Tupelo to Hutchison, who's been absolutely carving up over the last three months. You know, not even getting a sort of a sniff in the twenty three, which um, which is pretty incredible when you think back to sort of even sort of when we started the pod five years ago. 
Yeah, it's an, an embarrassment of riches in the centre in particular. I mean, I've, I've glazed over Ali Price and Finn. I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about them. Although, Matt, are you are you excited about the prospects of a Finn versus Marcus Smith? Or is that just going to be the first casualty of the um, absolutely horrific weather that is um, that is forecast? Yeah, I I reckon it will be. I think it's going to be one of those games where the boot unfortunately decides things. But I think last year in the Six Nations, Finn probably kicked a lot more than we expected. Um, and I think that was a big reason why we beat England and beat France. So I'm actually quite comfortable that he can um, execute on that game plan. And I even think with Smith, even though he's unproven, I feel like he's the kind of player who can still adjust his game. I don't think he would have been told to in no uncertain terms by... Uh, by Eddie Jones. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so it's lots of boot on ball. It's going to be a busy day for the back three, you would expect, collecting kicks. Um, sort of a fairly tried and tested, familiar back three for Scotland. Um, Duhan, Darcy and Hoggy. Alan, are you, are you nervous about Stuart Hogg under a slippery high ball tomorrow? I'm quite nervous about all three, to be fair. I think <laughs> Hogs, yeah, I've, I've got this like deep fear of like the first minute of Daly putting up an absolute bomb in the swirling wind and just the ball bouncing 30 metres off Stuart Hogg's chest as he sort of like jumps sort of into the air to yeah. take it. You know, Duhan. I think has been pretty reliable actually in his games, although I don't think kind of positioning and fielding kicks is, is clearly his sort of strong, strong point. And then, yeah, with Darcy, I think, as you said, both in terms of, you know, again, it's not a weakness of his sort of fielding high balls, but again, I, I thought someone like Kyle Stane or someone like Sean Maitland is probably just slightly better in, in that department. And I thought given the makeup of the the other two and who are definite starters, you might bring in someone like that who's who just gives you that reliability. And ultimately with Darcy, his key strength is his footwork. And he's not going to be able to really sort of provide much of that because it's going to be almost certainly a bit of a bog and wet underfoot. So I don't quite understand the rationale behind putting putting Graham into that into that role if I'm honest. Matt, do you agree? Yeah, I think um, if it was decent weather, you look at that back three and you get really excited by it and it's a really nice blend. Um, but I'm I'm with Alan. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. I, I would just I'd love to have seen Maitland in there for stability. It would give me a lot more confidence. Um, and, and clearly, you know, Eddie Jones has adapted his lineup for the conditions, I think, in that there are a lot of kickers in his back line. Um, and I think even sort of beyond, obviously, Russell and Price and Hogg will do the lion's share of the kicking. But beyond that, I wouldn't say any of the other backs are really great at, at that skill set. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a concern going into the game, I think, actually. And then... You sort of compare it to England, who have always got Freddie Stewart, who's basically the best in the world under high ball. 
and then specifically going for Joe Marchman, who's incredible. Joe Marchman. Joe Marchman. Marchant. <laughs> <laughs> Who obviously can play centre or wing, but one of his key strengths is he's incredibly strong out of the high ball. And yeah, it's interesting just to show that kind of dif- difference between the two teams. You know, ultimately that, you know, England have, what was it? Smith, Daly, Slade, Stewart, and Malins, who have all got some form of kicking game versus, to your point, us who have really only got Hogg and Russell. Now, mm. there is a question about whether you actually need more than Hogg or Russell and Price, and, and, and with Price obviously being a pretty strong option under the base. Um, but it's interesting that I think they've definitely gone for slightly different um, approaches in terms of how they've picked their, their back lines. But then, I suppose, talking about playing to your strengths, if it is a little bit tighter, we've seen Duhan used quite short of 10, quite a lot under Tooney. Um, do you think we'll see an awful lot of Duhan versus Marcus Smith in the early exchanges, trying to try and rough up the young lad a little bit? Yeah, probably. Like, makes it. Although, to be fair, I think you, you're even targeting out like Slade and Daly. I don't think, mm. yeah. you know. Yeah. They're actually they're obviously relatively solid, but I don't you know if Duhan gets a, gets going, I think he's making some pretty easy yards through through that either through ten or twelve or through twelve or thirteen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they sort of utilize that because I imagine you know one of the issues, especially in the in the way if you're sort of going straight for Smith, is you'll have people like Curry and Simmons and Ludlam who are quick off the base. Getting, getting across and, and probably being able to sort of help support support him. 100%. Um, and then on to the bench. I think the one surprise, the, the one surprise inclusion, Ben White, um, kind of an unknown quantity to most Scotland fans, us included, before he was named in, in the sort of the wider squad a couple of weeks, has been preferred on the bench to Ben Velikop to cover scrum half. I mean, Ben Velikop's been an absolutely searing hot form for Edinburgh. A lot of people thought that this was going to be his sort of tournament where he might break into that 23. I mean, Matt, is there, is there anything that we can read into that that selection? Yeah, I was doing a bit of sort of Ben White research yesterday, just trying to find, literally just typed in like Ben White rugby into YouTube. And <laughs> there's, there's nothing really. There's like a few small clips and a few quite boring interviews with them. Um so I, th- I get the sense that he has been chosen ahead of Velikov due to the conditions and that he is more of a traditional scrum half whose basics, uh, particularly box kicking, are... I think particularly maybe his, his box kicking is seen as better than, than Velikov's. So I, I, I kind of understand the selection. Like, I, I'm not... Although I'd, I want to see Velikov give it a go at some point. He's been in such good form. I'm not too fussed about um, White being selected ahead of him in this in this instance, uh, but yeah. yeah, maybe you know someone who can come on. You know, Price is probably going to play the vast majority of the game, but someone who can come on when things are tight and just keep a bit of control. I'm 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 not too unhappy about. It. Yeah, fr- friend of the pod, Gary Heatley, putting out some quotes from uh, from Tooney's press conference said that. Uh, asked that question, why Ben over Ben? 
Um, and he said, Ben, Tuni said, Ben White, we believe is better suited to this game and the way we see it going. So that sounds to me like it's a, uh, a weather related, um, selection that has been made. Um, the, the, the other two backs, Alan, um, on the bench, Kinghorn and, and Tua Pilotu, obviously the versatility we've discussed that Kinghorn offers, but have to say, if Finn goes down after five minutes, the, the prospect of eighty-five of um, 75 minutes of Kinghorn at 10 is um, is one that doesn't fill me with glee. Oh, my God. Imagine the fear. <laughs> it's so bleak. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, still a little bit confusing with the whole Kinghorn-Hastings thing, and it, it does sound like, you know, given the 5-3 split, that potentially Tooney does see Kinghorn as as strong an option as, as Hastings and then just kind of gives that sort of additional versatility. But yeah, you know, ultimately, as we've said, I think basically most of the games that Kinghorn's played in, it's it's been dry and it's been against either Italian or Welsh opposition. So it's 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 a pretty big gulf to get to Calcutta Cup in, in, more, in, the, in the monsoon. So yeah, there'll be a fear, but I guess also one the one thing about Kinghorn, I think, you know, can't really fault him for is definitely not short of um, confidence a lot of the time. And it, the one thing he is is he's just he is just a natural ball player. So hopefully it won't happen. But if <laughs> um, and if it does happen, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> We're just gonna have to live. We are just gonna have to live with it. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how much they. Will how much they would shift their game off the back of it, whether they'd try and just become take, take a very sort of tight approach and just put in price bombs, chase hard, and just sort of shift yeah. more to a forwards oriented game or hog at 10, kinghorn at 15. I actually think that's even worse. No, it is worse, like it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, much, it's much worse, yeah, it's significantly worse. Um, yeah, and then two Alan, I forgot that I forgot that you call the Calcutta Cup the Calcutta. Cup. The Calcutta Cup, yeah, oh, it's good God. to be there. God. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it is what it is. Look, look you know, everyone's it, got it, their it, little. You know, it's an accent. I don't understand. <laughs> it's a very, really... very unique <laughs> accent. <laughs> it's a dialect. Yeah, it's a dialect. That's it. And um, then um, Sione Tupolotu rounding out the final the, the final spots in the in the twenty three map. What what can Sione's obviously sort of beaten all expectations in his time in Scotland so far. I mean, what what is he bringing to that that sort of final spot? Yeah, I, I'm. I think it's quite a good guy to have on the bench um, when you consider the the rest of the the subs that are there um, cover quite a few positions, and I think that he his game will be quite suited to to the weekend. And I almost think he's he's a bit of a like for like. Uh, replacement for a Johnson in particular, and maybe even Harris. Um, and probably not that much would be expected of an, an attack. But if he's defensively solid, then um, you know he, sh- he should be quite a good replacement. And, and maybe he offers a little bit of punch going forward um, in in the tight because obviously I think that's where it's going to be won and lost. Absolutely. Well, that is the tail end of the breakfast show, but we've got one last thing to do before we go. And that is do our match pint predictor for the weekend. We're working with match pint, get download the app. Great place to find out 
where you can watch any sports games, but of course the Six Nations and the, with the Guinness Match Pint Predictor, you can join our league. That's Thistle. Play along with us. Predict uh, predict the uh, the results of the games. If you get it within five, you win a pint for your friends. If you get it spot on, you win a pint for yourself. Over the Autumn Internationals, we as a Thistle group, all of us as the Thistle Collective, we won over 753 pints of Guinness. So we're trying to for the big 1,000 over the Six Nations. Matt, I'm going to come to you first. Talk to me. Scotland versus England, give me your prediction right now. I've, I've gone for Scotland by five. Yes, love it. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty nervous, I think. Um, there's, there's quite a few factors at play that, that make me feel that way, I think. I think that we are just edging it as favourites gives me a little bit of fear because I don't think historically we've, we've dealt very well with that. Um, and you look at that squad and it's, it's really strong. It's really settled. It's got a lot of experience and it, it just gives me kind of flashbacks of the 2019 world cup when we put a similar side and got absolutely roasted by Japan and Ireland. Um, and I, th- I think if, if the weather was fine, I would be a lot more confident of that five-point victory. Um, I am just slightly worried that the, the weather has completely changed the, the complexion of the match. And I kind of think that England have selected quite a few players, who were, particularly in the backs, who are suited towards that. Um, but so Scotland by time, four, think, but here's a long list of reasons why I don't believe that to be true. Well, I think I did this prediction like at the start at the start of the week before I really knew what the teams looked like or the weather. Yeah. Um, but I was about to just provide sort of the counter arguments to that. That I think this is, you know, one of the strongest Scotland sides we've had in a long time. Experience of beating England, um, a really strong bench, uh, and I think that you know, there's a few areas where we should be able to to edge it, or if we can get that sort of parity. Uh, particularly at scrum and, and breakdown, then you know we're at home. I think the crowd will be absolutely loving it. That I still I still think we've got enough enough to win, but it's I'm, I'm not that confident in my prediction. Should we say, Alan? Matt's gone Scotland by five. What are you going for? So interestingly, I think the the betting market shifted. That so the spread currently is Scotland plus two. So they, they think, wow. England, think England will win by two points. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I think previously in the week, I think it was up at about potentially five or six. So clearly the market sort of shifted sort of during the week. Um, I am going for a 12-10 win for Scotland. <laughs> no, tr- no tries for Scotland. One um, mole try for England. And, and a, a relatively bleak game all round. <laughs> okay, I've actually. My, I, my, I can my totally one, see that happening. <laughs> my one bet that I've put on is uh, for there to be total points under thirty-five. Which, yeah, uh, which is where the where the where the line was at. I think I think it's it's going to be a a low scoring affair. God, don't get us too excited about Murrayfield <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> um, I've gone gone Scotland by four, which is probably more heart than it is head. Um, But 
you know, I, I agree with probably a mixture of both of you that I think it's going to be pretty tight and fairly low scoring affair. Although just looking at the BBC weather now, there is a suggestion that the weather is slightly improving by the time it gets to five o'clock tomorrow evening. I'm mostly concerned that the sort of the key pre-match hours, the weather is going to be really bad. So just from like a, like a day out perspective, it's just maybe not as a, it's just not as appealing as it was at the start of the week, which is a bit of a shame, but we are where we are. Um, so yeah, get, get yourself onto the match pine app, set your predictions and win yourself and your friends some pints. It is that easy. Um, we're going to be back with a wrap up pod early next week. Make sure you sign up to our, um, our newsletter on Substack. This is Scottish rugby podcast. We'll be getting that out first thing Monday morning. So you can relive the highs or just sort of wallow in the lows of whatever is to come in the Calcutta Cup. Um, we are all at Murrayfield tomorrow. So if you know what we look like, um, come and say hello. If you don't, unlucky. But um, all the best. Come on. <laughs> come on, Scotland. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.